1: And everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Monday, Monday, September 23rd. We've got week four in the book. We're looking ahead uh, to week five. A lot to get through, some news as well as uh, spotlighting some of our year two coaches. My oh my, What what a great what a great group of ups and downs that we got following our year two coaches as well as year one quarterbacks, true freshman quarterbacks that have been making a splash. Uh, which of the early six season successes that we've seen, which flashes do we think are going to be sustainable through the season and on through their college careers? Barton Simmons, you've you've made it back from Stanford, Connecticut. When you last signed off with, uh, with the podcast listeners, thank you to the... To the tens of thousands who have already consumed the the week four instant reaction podcast. And so, you know, you signed off and you said, Hey man, I'm now I gotta, you know, go to go to the airport on zero sleep and and go catch this flight and and go go show up for a you know family birthday event. You've made it. You've made it through it all. <laughs> you survived. How
1: are we doing? Do you wanna hear what my itinerary was on that Saturday night? Yes. Uh, so we got done at like, what, 2 a.m. with our reaction pod, somewhere in that realm, uh, one ish I, I may have hung around and watched a few more possessions of the UCLA, Washington State.
0: Which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah,
1: which was hard to turn off. I mean, that was, as much as I knew I had to get going, like, how do you turn that off? So I turned it off, tried to listen to it. Actually, I may have even kind of had it on YouTube TV on my phone on the way to the hotel. Get to the hotel, pack up. It's, you know, we're getting closer to like 2.30 now and drive to LaGuardia. Now it's like 3.15 or so. Get to a gas station and I just sort of take a little hour and a half, two hour nap in the gas station. At the gas station? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was like, because the other alternative is just to go sleep in a, you know, in the airport. Right. And that wasn't going to work out well, I didn't think. So I figured this this reclining chair that I'm sitting in right now is was like my best option, and so so then I go and the guardia is sort of a mess, and but I get through it, and I kind of just get there about an hour before my flight after all the you know car drop off and everything else. So that was sort of a mess, man. But yeah, made it back in time, and uh, got to see a lot of UCLA, Washington State. And that drove me through my my Sunday birthday party activities. So good to go, survived you, it. You
0: had the power of a thirty-two point comeback at your behind you, just just propelling you forward. Uh, I really
1: think that, that that gave me some juice. Yeah. I really do. I think I may have like I, I might be in a car wreck on the side of I ninety five north if not for. Uh, it's not for that.
0: So <laughs> I'm glad that you made it. Uh, let's let's hit a couple of uh, news items before we get into UCLA. Those other uh, year two coaches The first of all, uh, a tough, tough hit for the LSU wide receiving core. Terrace Marshall goes down with an injury and uh, had surgery. He tweets had a little surgery. I'll be all good. I don't believe we've got an official timetable for his return.
1: I think I saw it was about a month. Okay. Uh, which so I mean the key there uh, could come back for Alabama Yeah, as I pull up the LSU football schedule um,
0: November 9th just keep it on the tip of your tongue. It's November
1: 9th. Yeah, we're going to build for that for a while.
0: Uh, So anyway, we've got a it's a loaded it's a loaded wide receiver room. Jamar Chase had a ridiculous game uh, on Saturday and I think that you know as that group continues to, to come into its own, you know, Terrace Marshall was a key part of it. Uh, losing him, you feel like they should be able to withstand this. But is there is there anything about Marshall in particular about where he fits into the Tigers' offense that leaves you with some concern? As you know, we're building to Alabama, but we also have some pretty massive games elsewhere on the LSU schedule that are also going to be coming up in the next month, where they're going to need to be uh, they're going to need to be as explosive as they've been so far this season.
1: Yeah, you got to get through Auburn, you got to get through Florida. Hell, you got to get through Utah State. Um, So there, there's, I mean, they're going to need all the bodies. And he's really good. He was a former five star. You know, maybe the concern is he's he's had injuries before, so you just hope he can get back to full speed, stay healthy. Um, There is, I think, really good young receivers in that room. Like that room is not just three and dropping off the cliff. It's it's three and deep. So uh, I I think, you know, whether it's you know, maybe the true freshman Trey Palmer steps up behind him. Um, you know, maybe maybe one of these. I mean, this is this is a talented room, so I'm not worried about the depth. But I just, you know, I hope for for all of our sake that Terrace comes back and is because he was really rolling. He had uh, he had broke really broken through after dealing with injury his first year. <clears throat> so um, I think, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's back full full go by by Bama.
0: Four-star quarterback Bryce Young uh, was committed to USC. He's a you know modern-day Los Angeles kid, and you know had everything going. USC was right there. Announces uh, a flip to, and he's actually a five-star for uh, for twenty-four-seven sports. Four-star in the twenty-four-seven sports composite flips from USC to Alabama, and you know with you know, all of this coming. Uh, Even in the, on the heels of USC's big win on Friday against Utah, but as an indicator for what might be happening moving forward, is there anything to take away from Bryce Young's flip? And also, uh, do we know what kind of timetable he's going to be on in terms of when he's going to be uh, signing or committing in, in terms of, you know, we're trying to look, all right, he's flipping from USC to Alabama. You know, how serious is this decision in your eyes?
1: I think this is really significant. Okay. I think this is a big deal. Uh, first of all, it's tough luck for USC because he was already scheduled like he was he was cool with the situation at USC. You know, go play behind JT Daniels for a year, expect JT Daniels to be gone by after his junior season, and and then he steps in. Well, it's a little bit and I think he's probably better than Keaton Slovis. He's probably better than JT Daniels but it's a little bit when when JJ Daniels goes down and Keaton Slovis looks really good it changes things a little bit to think all right now i have to beat out Keaton Slovis who's looking really good understands the offense you know there might be an inclination to to give him first whack at it and if i don't beat him out then i got to sit for 2 years and that that changes things a little bit whereas you look at Alabama and behind Tua there is Mac Jones, who Bryce Young would would, would I think certainly beat out, and Talia Tongavailoa, who I think Bryce Young would also beat out. And so basically it's ready made for Bryce Young to come in and start as a true freshman at Alabama. And and quarterbacks these days I think are actually smart to consider these things, like the, the, the depth chart. Like you're going to hear all the all the you know, old heads in the media yell about transferring quarterbacks if you if you don't step into a situation where you got an opportunity to play. So, so there's that, and I also think it's significant for Alabama because they they were gonna have. To, I I think they were gonna have to really redefine themselves after this season, with Tua gone. I think that Mac Jones is fine, Talia is fine, but those guys are not. Put they're, they're, they're the I think. Are the they more John? Riders. Are they
0: more uh, John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy than Tua yes, Tagovailoa?
1: Exactly, and, yeah. the, and and got the type. I mean, Alabama's won national championships with those those guys, so that's the point. Is Alabama was going to have to figure out a way to look a little different than they were than they have been. Not only that was Tua going to be gone, but they were going to lose at least two wide receivers, probably Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, to potential first round draft picks, maybe Devonte Smith too. Um, I mean, Devontae Smith could absolutely go and get drafted high, but you know, I could see a scenario where he sticks around is the guy next year, and he's the first rounder also. So, um, so there was just going to have to be this whole transformation of the offense. Well, now I, th- I think with Bryce Young coming, as much as as much success as we've seen among true freshmen that are this good, and he is this good, I think I really believe that he can keep Alabama chugging along. Offensively in the same style that they have have started to build out and and They can you know, they don't have to, to there's not the pressure that all right now their defense has to get back to whatever they're whenever their ball in 2015 or whatever um, and Their offense can still be this Explosive pass friendly system that they've started to recruit to so I just think this was a huge, huge get because I'm just not, I'm not, I wasn't super confident that Alabama could be the same national title favorite with this, the quarterback situation next year. And even though he's a true freshman, I, I kind of now I am confident that he can, wow. he's the type of talent that can keep him going. Do you think, is he going to enroll early? Yeah, he's expected to enroll early. Yeah. Sorry, USC. That stinks. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but look at it this way, too. I mean, how wild is this? So Clemson, I mean, he's he's the number four player in the country for us. He's the number two quarterback. Number three player in the country, the number one quarterback is DJ Uyunglele. And DJ Uyunglele is also out of Southern California, rival St. John Bosco to Bryce Young's modern day. They'll play each other in the regular season, probably play each other in the state championship, too. Uh, like they did last year and Bryce uh, DJ Uyangalale is committed to Clemson. So Clemson and Alabama have got the top two quarterbacks, both out of Pac 12 country, both out of Southern California. You know, they're obviously the the dynastic one and two right now in some order. And they're just, you know, these quor- these type of quarterbacks don't come around every all the time. And the, the two powerhouses just plucked them right out of the backyard of USC in the Pac twelve.
0: There is no uh, when when you see this kind of recruiting news and you 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 put it in a context like that, it might not be Clemson and Alabama playing for every national championship for the next five years. But that's the kind of stuff where you don't expect either of those to have any kind of drop off anytime soon.
1: No, yeah, exactly. I mean that gives you as you look at all right. When does the when does the cycle down start? When do the when do they run out of a little bit of gas? I mean, with those two signings or commitments, they haven't signed yet, but with those two commitments, I really feel like that's three more years of runway um, for these teams. And as I think about it now, so we've talked about the – to me it's the six, and we'll see if that if the, if the group changes. But to me it's the six. It's LSU – Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oklahoma as the six that are on a a tier above. You know, Alabama and Clemson have their quarterbacks of the future. I think Spencer Rattler, I suspect, is a quarterback of that ilk at Oklahoma. Justin Fields, we've got for at least one more year after this. Um, And then I think Georgia and LSU, like those are the two if you're talking about you know staying in that tier, I think those are the two that have to figure out what's their next step at quarterback. And particularly Georgia. Yeah. And Georgia may have to find a, a grad transfer. I mean, because they need I mean that's they're they're in a, a little bit of a tricky spot there at the quarterback position, given what given what the again the other five in that in that elite upper crust of college football are doing at the position
0: behind Jake From like Jake Fromm, took off for a scramble against Notre Dame. Uh, I think he got a first down and it took a little bit of a hard hit. And Gary Danielson mentioned on the broadcast is like, um, Jake, if you get knocked out of this game, things change very quickly. The quarterback, but you know t- what else is
1: like, what, what's I guess the, the, what makes you feel a little better about that if you're Georgia is Georgia might be the only team among those six, That is
0: not reliant on its quarterback. Least
1: dependent on a quarterback among the six. Agreed, one
0: hundred percent.
1: Like if 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 you give Georgia Stetson Bennett for the rest of the year, eh, maybe they don't beat. You know, maybe they lose one more game. They would have, or maybe they can't beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. But you still feel like they're in a they're in pretty good shape. And I, I mean, I guess that's the case with all of them. But they could probably win a really big game even with Stetson Bennett just by doing it the way they do it. Play it, you know. Play it close. Run the football. Lean on the offensive line. So I guess in that sense, when you th- think of that six, probably the, the biggest the program with the biggest you know question to answer is LSU. You know, maybe can Miles Brennan be that guy? No, because um, they all all of a sudden they're very quarterback dependent. Right. And now, what
0: hasn't been the case? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then they, they've been so bad at evaluating and developing the quarterback position. And now all of a sudden, you know, they got a guy in Joe Burrow that's allowed us to look at them differently from an offensive standpoint, but it doesn't change their, their history at the quarterback position. So that, that might be the most interesting one to just sort of follow and track is, is in, in what they do.
0: Texas is uh, taking some injuries. They're getting real banged up in the secondary, and against Oklahoma State, it didn't get any better. Uh, starting quarterback Jalen Green did not return to the game after he hurt his shoulder in the first half. Uh, you know, Josh Thompson was a little bit banged up in the game. Caden Stearns left the game in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. Like this is starting to become a real uh, a real problem spot for the Texas Longhorns. What? what's up next if behind them and you know, is this going to be starting to impact the way that uh, you handicap a Texas defense that like, if we look back at that Oklahoma state game, that Texas defense did did a pretty good job of being able to slow things down in the second half after Oklahoma state, you know, was trying to give this thing a shootout type feel. I, I'm, I'm sorry that your 73 didn't hit, uh, as you were buckling up for the fun in the locks pod, but the, the Texas defense was able to stand strong, even as they're taking all these hits in their secondary.
1: Yeah, they, um, you know, I mean, there, there were some red zone stands, which is so critical. Um, but I, and I think, I mean, the key there with the Jalen Green injury, and they're already a little banged up, and I, I'm not sure on the expected return on DeMarvion Overshone and B.J. Foster, but they've, they're very banged up in the secondary, and I think the key is we're, what, three weeks away from Oklahoma? Yeah. So I don't think Jalen – it seems like Jalen Green's not going to make it back for that one. So I think that's the immediate impact here that you have to measure is how – Beat up? Are they going to be for Oklahoma? They just sort of are. They they can't they can't have any more injuries, and they now they got to take the next couple weeks, which are not easy games. Uh, don't they have? Is, no, maybe maybe it's Oklahoma State that has Kansas State next week. I'm pulling up Texas schedule. So they got West Virginia. So they all, they only have one game, which is West Virginia before that Oklahoma State game. So that's manageable. So you get take take a bye week, take West Virginia to develop some of that depth. And and hope those guys are ready to play lights out against Oklahoma because they're going to get tested and it doesn't hurt you know it doesn't help having your best cover guy out.
0: Not at all. Um, let's see. Do you want to go to you want, you want to start start looking at uh, a at Chip Kelly?
1: Yeah. <laughs> or is, yeah. is is
0: is everything better now? Is is everything better?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no not everything's better. But that game, game was I mean we were we were recording the reaction pod during the game. We didn't really have time to give it as due. Were you were watching it though as were you watching it as you were as we were talking or no?
0: I'm actually uh I could I might change the setup once we start to to work things in here or if a, another game dictates it, but uh I I have not yet gotten myself watch and record uh ready in the studio.
1: Yeah. So
0: the two, to, the ma- two of y'all actually having the two of y'all in inter- like, wow. Like, <laughs> just like giving you, yeah,
1: giving just real time emotional responses. Yeah.
0: I kind of like that. I'm, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> nervous that if we make it a trio of watchers that our conversation will become, uh, less focused.
1: Right. No, that's probably, probably smart. Keep you, keep, keep us, um, on the ball. But I, it was, I mean, it was r- remarkable. It was one of the wildest games I've ever seen, and I mean, it had everything. It had kick returns, it had big plays. It was, I think, the thing that was most encouraging was just the real-time evolution of Dorian Thompson Robinson, because there was one point uh, I'm trying to remember. I guess it was it was like 42 to 17 or something that UCLA was down in the 5 minutes left in the third quarter. I may have that score wrong, but that's generally what it was. And you know, there was uh, maybe there was two drives when, you know, UCLA got some points and maybe there's a turnover mixed in somewhere. And and I remember there was the, the UCLA had the ball, they got another you know, change of possession, and they had the ball on like their own six or something. And Dorian Thompson Robinson and that that his his offense trotted out there um, with – yeah, it was on their own six. They had just scored twice to make it 38 – 41-31, 49-31, sorry. And they were trotting out there, and, like, they were getting the ball back on their own six. And they were – it was it was like they had already scored. Like, the way that the body language, the excitement, the energy, there was, like, a look in their eye where – they knew they were going to score. Like I could, I could have told you right then. Well, you say scoring on this drive. What I didn't know is they were scoring on that first play. Like they came out and they, th- and it was a 90, 94 yard touchdown on one play, it was just a slant and just like a uh, run away from the defense deal. And I think that that. I mean, this is still a very flawed team. I mean, let's not forget they gave up nine, eight, nine touchdown passes, whatever it was, to Anthony Gordon. But, oh, it was nine. It was nine. It was, nine touchdown passes and a loss. Yeah. So there's still issues here. Let's not let's not take our eye off the ball and say that this team is somehow fixed. But I think you at least saw in the offense some newfound confidence and attitude that was really encouraging.
0: I think that. Um, Chip Kelly after the game in the post game interview was, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. What does this mean? He was like, well, it means we want a pack 12 after dark game. It yeah. is awesome to see Chip Kelly embrace the weird embrace the, the fact that these games can get a little crazy and understand the 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 waves of energy and ways to take advantage of it because the the relentlessness i mean there was the the opportunity in the fourth quarter to kick a field goal in what would have sent the thing to overtime and he was like "Nah, we're gonna go for it and in doing so then ended up giving ucla another opportunity uh to be able to score this time to win the game and that kind of relentlessness that fearlessness uh, I do think that the arrogance of which that we've used to criticize Chip Kelly in this game it ended up helping him whether it will continue to help UCLA throughout the rest of the Pac-12 that's where I'm going to stop a little bit short but it was like again the he had he weapon Chip Kelly found a way to weaponize his arrogance and it worked and I thought that was interesting
1: you know, The the what was crazy about this game, there was a point in the, so this was the fourth quarter, this was two minutes left, whatever it was, and UCLA had a third and 18 and the Washington State 30. They picked up 13 yards, and they have a fourth and five on the 17, and they could kick a field goal to tie it at that point, which seemed obvious, like this game was destined for overtime, right? But instead of, kicking a field goal. And I guess they're, they're they're not very confident in their kicker, but they went for it on fourth and five, missed it. Right. Then you think the game's over. Then the very next play, Washington State fumbles the football and UCLA, like, it takes over. And then, of, of course, you know they're going to score then. And it was just – you could see the emotion in Chip Kelly after that t- like game-winning score that was – I mean – just it, it, we're not used to seeing that um, for one, cause they're not, there's not a lot to celebrate, but for two, just because, you know, he's, he's a pretty even keel guy. And I mean, that, I think I got to think that that meant a lot to this team just to find a way to win.
0: Okay, so uh, loss at Cincinnati, loss to San Diego State, loss to Oklahoma. There is a way to frame each of those as not really being bad losses. San Diego State is one of the better teams in the Mountain West. Oklahoma, a national championship contender. Cincinnati, a contender to win a championship in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, They get this win on the road at, at Washington State. Up next is at Arizona then home against Oregon state, then at Stanford and then home against Arizona state. That let's, let's sort of frame that that is the next month of football for the UCLA Bruins. How many wins do you think they're able to get in that run? Um, I'll do over under two and a half.
1: Ooh, that's a high over under.
0: I mean, I'm good. Or Oregon state's one is it come on you you just talked to sue because you talked about the uh dorian like as dorian thompson robinson continues to improve get more comfortable in this offense is like settling in i i consider that like not all uh progression is like not everything's going to be linear not every trajectory is going to be straight up but if it's oregon state uh, playing against UCLA, I'm going to use the data point of this UCLA team uh, in this game winning it as saying UCLA should win that game.
1: Uh, yeah, I think UCLA will be favored in that game. I'm not putting any as much as I'm not putting anything past this team to. Well, I, I, I'm not even going to say that. I mean, I, I'll, there's certainly some teams they I think they can't beat yet, but I still think they can lose everyone on their schedule, including Oregon State. So I think I think putting the number maybe of one and a half would be I, I'm not confident they're gonna win two of those four. Certainly not confident they're gonna win three. I just like I I still think we don't know. I just think UCLA just they found some mojo, they found some juice, but when you look back at the like it's not gonna be a fun film session for that defense. They got they got absolutely torched. Um so I don't. I still don't know that we we can figure out what to expect out of this team, you know.
0: So we're fading
1: UCLA. I would fade them two and a half. I yeah. I mean, let's. I, let's see what's the line going to be this week
0: against, against Arizona. Arizona. Arizona had the week off too. Yeah,
1: I guess and they it, started. They started getting Khalil Tate going last week a little bit.
0: And, well, I guess we – should we give Arizona State half a win for Kevin Sumlin's trolling tweet to Texas A&M, hitting them with the eyeball emojis as Auburn closes out the W? Yeah,
1: that, that was <laughs> that was pretty bi-week petty right there. Yeah. I mean, Arizona's a seven-and-a-half point favorite this week. I'll take the Wildcats. I would I would probably take them too. Yeah. Um, but we, I just think there's a lot of – yeah, we, Pac-12 – is getting increasingly unpredictable
0: coming up on the other side resetting where we're at with our always tumultuous year two coaches and the true fresh the year of the true freshman quarterback next okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and
1: hit the road
0: So, before the break, we had um, Chip Kelly, one of our year two coaches, going up against Kevin Sumlin, one of our year two coaches. Uh, Herm Edwards, another one of our year two coaches. Arizona State takes a loss to the first-year coach, Mel Tucker, coaching in some shorts. <laughs> let, those, let those calves free, Mel. Um, so, Willie Taggart – had a half full Doak Campbell stadium watching as they were able to secure an ACC win against Louisville. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, his team was unable to score a touchdown against Florida in a, in a very lopsided game. Where, where do you want to start, man? Like what's cause I, cause I do think that chip Kelly with given whatever the ups and downs are going to be the rest of the year, this win was dramatic enough that I think chip Kelly is, is sort of out of my uh, my my top five, my handful of year two coaches that I've got on watch right now, good or bad. I think he, I think he takes a step back. Uh, so where, where are you at with like Pruitt and Taggart?
1: Let me ask you this: Can you imagine how frustrated Butch Jones must be right now? And I, I'm not saying this as a def, like a, this is not used as a defense of Butch Jones, but I can absolutely. It for, from me personally but I can absolutely imagine Butch Jones's frustration and saying listen we when I was there I, I inherited a bad situation and when I was there we were playing in some big games we were playing in some I can't remember who I saw tweeted this today but it was um, yeah it was like it was one of the, the like a maybe a I don't, it wasn't Alvin Kamara, but it was like someone on that crew, out of that crew, tweeted like, "Man, this is man." I remember when Tennessee was rocking like this? And it was like a picture of them, probably after the Florida game. Um, and it was, you know, it had like Alvin Kamara and Jalen Hurd and, um, um, you know, Rashawn Golden and and all these NFL guys in the picture. And and it it's, it's a it is a reminder that. It's not that we're not that far removed from Tennessee playing some big games. Like they were disappointing in I guess it was like that Bob Stoops first year as a D coordinator, and they they kind of played games closer than they should have. People thought that was a the year they were gonna win the East and they won like nine games instead of eleven. And that was a disappointing year. And now here we are just a couple years later, and they're just so bad. And there's got to be some frustration. with because, And everyone's pinned it on Butch. Everyone's pinned it on Butch saying he left this, this place just barren. And I, I think there's something to that. I agree with that more than I disagree with that because I do think the culture had slipped, the weight program had slipped, they're recruiting the wrong kind of guys. But it can't, like he couldn't have – he couldn't. I mean, at some point, we have to – Jeremy Pruitt has to absorb some of that blame, right? 100%. This is
0: a team that should be more competitive and it shouldn't feel like uh like, like there this isn't a keep bumping our head against the ceiling. This is a we are trying to get off the floor team. Yeah. Butch Jones kept bumping his head on the ceiling, Jeremy Pruitt's team can't get up off the floor. Like But Butch Jones' team is in one of those slapstick comedies where uh they've they've slipped and it's like home alone style they've slipped and fallen on the slick surface and every single time they try to put their weight down to get back up they fall again
1: yeah like yeah there's a bunch of marbles on the floor and they're just spinning out on them right uh, i mean i'm just look i mean so butch like, there was 2017 4 and 8 obviously it was inexcusable and so maybe that was the 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 beginning of a drop into a pit of despair. Uh, but nine and four before that, nine and four before that, like it wasn't horrible. And I actually, and like I said, I mean, I actually do think that Butch Jones is ha- bears a lot of responsibility for this, but I could just imagine. And there, like I think Football Scoop posted a story like why Butch Jones will be a head coach again, uh, which was just sort of a, a kind of a flimsy surface level um argument for Butch Jones that probably Jimmy Sexton or someone told him to write. And I can see how Butch Jones could be sitting there in the Alabama staff room being like, man, don't, don't blame me for that for 34 to three loss. Right. You know, you better, you, you better get my name out your mouth. If you're going to lose it Florida 34 to three. Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: And so there's probably somewhere in the middle, which probably deserves probably more blame than he's willing to give himself credit for. But at, at some point, Jeremy Pruitt's got to start fixing this thing. I mean, Jim Chaney, you're supposed to be a quarterback guru, right? And mm-hmm. why can't, why can't, why is Jarek Guarantano getting worse? Guarantano getting worse. <laughs> uh, so, I, so yeah, I mean, I'm at like tennis, Tennessee's in bad shape. I, I'm not sure if they're worse shape than what's going on at Arkansas.
0: I was going to say and Chad Morris,
1: Willie Taggart. Uh... But Taggart got himself a win. Like if, In the grand scheme of things, when you look at what's happening at Tennessee and, I mean, Arkansas is obviously a little bit of a tier, but UCLA, I mean, Florida State is being graded at a really high scale because you can't – I mean, ULM ULM was a bad look. But, I mean, losing to Boise State, that's not the end of the world for Florida. It shouldn't be for Florida State. Uh, They go out and beat Louisville. We don't really know how good Louisville is yet, but that—I mean—that's a—that's a pretty respectable win. I felt like right to, fig- to figure out a way to go get. So, as bad as as it is in Tallahassee, and I'm not giving him a pass either. It's actually better than some of the other alternatives in year two coaches, right?
0: Oh, well, there's some good too because uh, Mario Cristobal is a year two coach. I know that he was the offensive coordinator, and that was promoted internally, but you know. Oregon came out with the win this weekend and, and certainly seems to be taking steps forward to try and be a, a Pac-12 championship team. You know, Dan Mullen, that's a year two coach who's been able to sustain a loss to his starting quarterback. Kyle Trask comes in. Herm Edwards took a loss to uh, Mel Tucker this weekend, but he's got the win on the road at Michigan State. You know, but then then there's sort of like this, there's a mixed bag tier where I think I put Jimbo Fisher who obviously, you know, that was, it's going to be a really, really tough schedule and that performance against Auburn is going to leave fans in college station a little frustrated. You know, Josh Heupel, you're sort of the magic runs out a little bit against Pitt. And then the other part of my uh, sort of mixed bag would be Scott Frost where things, you know, were shaky out the gate in the opener. you lose to Colorado, um, you know, you've kind of got yourself in a position with the Ohio state game coming up where a great performance and definitely a win just erases whatever the ups and downs were of the season to this point, but also getting the doors blown off. uh, If that were to happen against this juggernaut of an Ohio state team, you know, kind of resets us into putting Nebraska below you know where they are now, at least in terms of the rankings. You know, below Wisconsin, below Iowa, a mid-tier Big Ten West team.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Scott Frost is probably still on the right path. He's just he's a victim of the, the the reputation he's built for himself because everyone had him win in the West this year. And realistically, they're probably still tracking the right way. I didn't watch much of that Illinois game. I didn't watch any of the Illinois game, but. That must have been a wild game because they, they, outgained Illinois by a ton, and uh, barely barely survived it. The defense seems to be playing pretty well. I think that's probably the most encouraging part is they've got that defense playing pretty well, and as the offense gets rolling, Adrian Martinez keeps heating up. Some of these young guys start to show up. Like I, I feel like there's there's a healthy foundation there at Nebraska. And I think it's, I'm glad you mentioned Oregon because I kind of forget that Mario Cristobal is a year two coach. But, um, man, may, maybe Oregon got the better end of that deal. I know Willie really Tiger leaving to Florida State. Oh my
0: gosh! Like that's a that is Oregon fans got to be looking around and just just wondering if if the kind of the the dissension, not dissension, the 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 behind the scenes sort of grinding of pieces and, and you know, extra analysts coming in and uh you know, wh- whether the blame is going to fall on the assistants or who's calling the plays like there's, there is uh there was some of that. Remember right out the gate, Willie Tiger gets hired by Oregon. Then like a couple of assistants get caught up with the law and there was so a little bit of trouble behind the scenes and Mario Cristobal seems to have things kind of tight right now. Right?
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Chad Morris is two and three against a group of five. He's beaten Portland. Let's see. He's beaten Colorado state and Tulsa. He's lost to Colorado state, North Texas and San Jose state. Two of those at home. Um, here's my, here's my, I I think that's this is he's one of the most concerning to me, and part of it is because I think we're past the point in college football where a coach can come in and just start talking about playing fast and talking about how we're going to be the fastest team in the country and we're going to run more plays than anyone else and you know we're gonna we're gonna spread you out and like there was a time five years ago. I mean, more than that. Like there was a time when, in, like ten years ago, where that was really like, whoa, all right, we're getting a. Hey, we're, we may not be getting the old school physical defense that we're used to seeing in the SEC, but we're getting this offense, this this zany offense that's going to be so tough to stop. To stop. And Chad Morris is one of the innovators of that. And I think now that everyone's running it and chip Kelly isn't even running it anymore but but we you see in chip Kelly as a as a guy that hasn't been able to adapt effectively either but like I I get I get a little bit like hesitant when I hear a coach talking about how fast we're gonna play mm-hmm. and how fast because everyone does that now so is that your stick like if you're like the stick should be, much more, I think, big picture today than than sort of some some offense that's going to be t- you know tough on defenses uh, conditioning. You know, it it should be more about discipline and toughness and physicality because everyone's running this stuff. And so I think as we look up and lo and behold, they're not scoring forty points a game because what 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 they're doing is not something that the team they're playing hasn't seen before. And right. so I think as we look around, I mean, the fact that Arkansas is not winning games in the SEC West wouldn't surprise me, but the fact that they can't beat San Jose state at home, that's a huge red flag for me for that program. What does Arkansas do? I don't, I mean, that's, 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 I don't know. I mean, Hey, just, uh, you, you dial in and circle the wagons and get better. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what you do. Um, I don't know if it's time to start looking for another coach. I'm just saying, I, there, I don't know that there's, there's nothing about that program right now. That's giving me a ton of optimism.
0: Um, all right. So let's, let's start before we get out of here. Let's turn our attention to some of these true freshman quarterbacks that continue to make an instant impact. You referenced it uh, at the beginning of the show with Bryce Young as it is becoming uh, more and more. Uh, it is it is happening more and more frequently and it is becoming more and more likely that when you've got uh, an elite talent coming in at quarterback that he is going to be able to see the field and that On the field, he might be able to have some success. Garrett Schrader at Mississippi State, just the latest to be able to secure uh, a a big win for the Bulldogs, being able to get it done against Kentucky this past weekend. We mentioned Sam Howell on this podcast. They did lose to Appalachian. North Carolina did lose to Appalachian State this past weekend. But we've got, what, like seven true freshman quarterbacks that have all got wins this year?
1: So here's what I want to do. I want to go through these guys, and I want you tell me who you believe in. Like who is who have we gotten sort of the freshman spark from that's going to come back down to earth and just be a guy, and who or who is a steady, long term buy, and and so because I think there's some interesting interesting situations here, so we can start at Mississippi State right there. Garrett Schrader, he comes in true freshman, has this wild desperation play at, at the end of. Kansas State game that's sort of been his signature and then he comes in and engineers a win against Kentucky at home. Uh, are, are you buying him as a as a guy Mississippi State can win a lot of games with in the future? No. Yeah, I'm not either. So you, you can go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm not buying Garrett. I think Garrett Schrader is f- I think Garrett Schrader is fine, but I don't think Garrett Schrader is uh, and especially look because your question was is he going to win a lot of games and who does Mississippi State play? I don't think Garrett Schrader is a quarterback that is going to be able to find himself as a difference maker against uh, on a regular weekend, week out basis in the SEC. Now that he he is a freshman. He is a freshman. He can certainly improve and for him to be able to, you know, snatch that job from, from Tommy Stevens, that's pretty impressive within the context of what we thought or what we think Tommy Stevens is as a quarterback. I'm not ready to jump well, first of all, as we know, fearlessness, big check for Garrett Schrader after uh his his airborne showing against Kansas State. But I I'm kind of on the like, all right, cool. He's uh he's not Nick Fitzgerald. He's not like he might be better than you mentioned LSU earlier about how LSU's had trouble developing and um, scouting the quarterback position. Like when LSU has like a Brandon Harris out there, functional but not a difference maker. And I think Garrett Schrader is functional but not necessarily a difference maker.
1: I actually think that Garrett Schrader would be a great fit for a Dan Mullen offense. Kind of, I mean, he's kind of Nick Fitzgerald. He's right. big, really athletic, not not a super polished passer. I mean, that's, I think that's generous to say that. Um, so I think, so I, I, while I think he's a really intriguing talent and I kind of like his game and, and his grit and toughness and athleticism and size for, for what Joe Moorhead wants to do. I just don't have confidence that he's, uh, a really strong long-term answer there. So I think there's still going to be, you know, and Mississippi State's still going to have to just sort of find a way to gut out wins if Garrett Schrader's a quarterback. That, that said, I also think Tommy Stevens is probably going to be back under center soon, and and this this is more of a, a long term question for the future. What about uh, USC Keaton Slovis? Because we just saw that Matt Fink rolled in there and just did his thing. Right.
0: I think he. Go, I'm gonna. Oh, you go first.
1: Okay. I, I think Keaton Slovis is a better quarterback than Matt Fink. I think Keaton Slovis is a really good quarterback. I think that he is a long-term answer for USC. I think he is probably a – becomes a top-tier quarterback in the Pac-12. And so USC can can go 10-2 with him. Is Keaton Slovis – like I, like USC, he is a 10-2 caliber quarterback – in the long run, at, and that could even mean this year is us is the team around him going to be ten and two? That, that I mean, that's sort of a different story. But you can go ten and two with him at quarterback, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I think, and I think he's a better option than Matt Fink. And I, I don't know really, I ever think he's going to be a first round guy, but I think that USC is in good hands at quarterback with him. I think Matt Fink, if he keeps on rolling out there, will eventually get exposed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that was a, that yeah. was a feel-good story the other night, yeah, and that's great. But a lot of that's just throwing it up and letting Michael Pittman go make plays. Right,
0: right, 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 right. There's, a, I wonder if it'll come up later in the week. I was having some conversations with uh with Tom. The question is, if Utah just allowed Matt Fink, Matt Fink, to throw for all those yards and touchdowns, is Anthony Gordon gonna dice him up this weekend?
1: Uh, That's a good – that's a good – that's a good question. Good early week ponderance. That's a good question. I, I don't have the answer to that. That's yeah. a good question to ponder though.
0: Um. But, yeah, no, I think Keaton Slovis – I think Keaton Slovis uh, is pretty good. I, I think that he's the answer.
1: All right. Uh. TCU Max Duggan.
0: Nope, I'm out.
1: You're out, huh? All right. So, can I – let me give you my Max Duggan pitch.
0: They needed so little – And we're unable to get it in very key moments of that game.
1: Okay. And granted, I didn't watch, you probably watched more of that game than I did, but, and I know he had a really bad first half and he warmed up in the second half. But I think that I think they started him. And I think that was a calculated start because they probably would have won that game with, with Delton. I don't know about probably, but I, I, I've got a hunch they would have won that game if they just started Delton. And Max Duggan has come in off the bench and he's sort of been a spark guy here and there. And I think that that was a calculated play to, to say not that they're tossing this game away, but let, let's let this guy grow against this group of five team because in the big games, we don't have a chance with Delton. This guy needs to be our guy. And so I, I think he played a small school Iowa football last year. He's a four sport athlete. He's not super experienced or polished. So I think you come in, you take your lumps with him, and the 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 variance that he's going to provide is probably means that you know TCU doesn't win every game they're supposed to win the rest of the year. But I think he allows you to beat the big dogs if if he has if he if he's on one night. So I'm actually. I'm actually good with Duggan, and I think he's gonna be a. I think he's gonna be great. I think he's gonna be a great quarterback for TCU, and there's gonna be, but it's gonna be more about great moments this year as opposed to a great season. Okay, all right. So are you buying that?
0: I'll listen to it. I just I'm TCU has given us so little, and then the like the one time that we're we're pulling the one time that I'm pulling up a seat and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, <laughs> you lose the iron skillet. <laughs> so yeah no i'm i'm i I am going to wait to be sold on that
1: all right uh south carolina ryan holinski
0: in all the way in are you yes really he wasn't great against missouri but you're asking for big picture stuff i'm in on holinski
1: i'm not i'm not really as in on holinski i think i'm i think there's a i think he's caught in the grips of the South Carolina quarterback haze. Just sort of the fog. That oh, yeah. I was in on Jake Bentley as a freshman, Carolina.
0: too. This is what yeah, I do. Exactly. <laughs>
1: fool me once, shame on me. Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not going to fall for this again. Ryan Holinsky, I think, I, look, I think Ryan Holinsky is a quality quarterback. I think Ryan Holinsky is an SEC starter. I think Ryan Holinsky potential NFL quarterback. But I think Ryan Holinsky is not – going to fundamentally change the way South Carolina is viewed over the course of his career at South Carolina? I in. wow. Just buying up all the buying stock.
0: buying up all of the Ryan Hillensky stock.
1: That boy I mean, can, do you have to, is it just based on what you've seen so far just, or are you just sort of uses your hunch based on, you know what, what like what you, you don't even have to like, you don't have to see more to convince you. You sound like you're just, lock stock and barrel. Just let's roll.
0: Yeah. That boy can sling that pill <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you get out there and you, I, like, I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically just buying uh stature arm talent stock. I think he's there. All
1: right. I hope so. Be, be You know, it'd be fun to see him have a good, really good career. I just, I think South Carolina has a way of uh, pulling mediocrity out of these guys for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, UCF Dylan Gabriel.
0: So he got a little bit exposed and I wonder, you know, because it's going to go two ways, right? Like either now uh, Pat Narduzzi and the pit defense have put some things on film that other teams will try and replicate I don't know if other teams can necessarily replicate it, especially the ones that he's going to face in the American athletic conference. So I don't know if it becomes a huge deal, but he was not ready for all of the, you know, disguises and sort of the, the coverage trickeration that they were offering. He, they threw a lot of pre-snap looks at him, uh, kind of fooled him a couple times. And I think that that, 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 that was something that Dylan Gabriel was able to hang in, adjust to, get UCF back into that game. All that's to say, I'm still in on Dylan Gabriel.
1: Yeah, I'm still in on Dylan Gabriel too. I still think he's he's got like some moxie that a lot of these guys don't have, and part of that is the offense he's running and just the you know the um, the dynamic nature of it. Uh, but I, I I still think he's going to have a a huge year, and I think. UCF long term has a chance to stay on the you know the top of the group of five uh, totem pole with him. Uh, all right, Arizona State, Jaden Daniels, in. Yeah, man. Doubt him at your own peril. Yeah, let somebody else take that. Yeah, you know, I'll buy. I'll buy up any stock that is someone. Yeah, wants that anyone's to sell. trying to get
0: rid of for sure.
1: <laughs> Whatever price you want, you're selling it. Give it to me. Uh, I think he's really good. He's he's already. He's, he's played in big moments. They lost this weekend, but um, I, I just think he is uh, – I think he's pretty special. Boise State, Hank Bachmeyer,
0: Not as in as I was coming off week one, so I guess I'm, I'm going to have to put it at a hold and maybe even a slight sell in case I bought too much. I'm not – I think he's – I think that uh, he's obviously the best option that they've got. You know, there was some excitement about him coming in. What was he, a four-star prospect coming out of high school? Yeah. Probably one of the better quarterback prospects they've had there in a couple years, but uh, I still think the heart. I still think Boise State's offense under Brian Harson is going to, at its core, be a team that's going to be really, really good at running the ball. And for that reason, I don't know if I'm. A, I don't know if you know in this conversation among these quarterbacks, I don't know if I will be championing Bachmeyer as uh, as my one of my top pick guys.
1: Right, I mean Bachmeyer is just—he kind of does it in a—it's not always going to be pretty. It's more about just getting the job done, and he's still going to get the job done. So I'm—I'm a—I'm—I'm like—I'm like you. I think those—you know—I'm I'm a hold—I'm a hold on Bachmeyer, but I, I think he's a good player. Uh, Sam Howell, UNC.
0: <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Are you kidding? Sam, I don't know how to slide. How? Sam, i just been scoring all these touchdowns my whole career, so I've never had to take a slide. How? Mr. Clutch? Yeah, I'm in on Sam Howell.
1: All the way in. All the way that in. That, that, yeah, that dude's a rock star. He's a gamer. Uh, yeah, he is a gamer. Big moment guy. Um, I mean, what like that's that's just such a relief if you're like if you're Mac Brown if you're UNC fan to know all right first year under Mac Brown we have our quarterback, Whew. all right we don't have to worry about this stuff anymore we got our quarterback let's keep recruiting guys to give us depth but figure out everything else because we got our guy. Mm-hmm. Um, last one I got unless I'm forgetting somebody Auburn's. Bo Nix. I love the fit. I love the The
0: cultural fit. Or are you saying the like actual scheme fit?
1: Oh, both. I love it all. I mean, it's, it's he's the he is the right quarterback for that program. They've they're building the offense in the correct way around them. I do. And like I've even I mean, he had another game where he didn't you know, it wasn't that impressive throwing the football and he made some plays with his legs, but I will say, I mean, in a way he, he was better than I even, I anticipated throwing the ball. I mean, I thought he got away with some against Oregon. I feel like he, there was less that he got away with against A&M. Um, there, you never really felt like he, he was out of control that he wasn't, you know, in control of his surroundings. Um, he's going to be, I think the right type of player for how Gus Malzon wants to play and he's going to keep getting better. I don't ever think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I don't ever think he's going to be even – I don't even necessarily think he's ever going to be like a Heisman candidate. In, in a real like, – I don't think he's going to be – yeah, I I, I I don't I don't think he wins the Heisman at Auburn or, or – but I just think he's. they're going to be in a really good place with him as long as he's there,
0: I mean, it's so he's a cultural fit, he's a schematic fit. He just how, how much do we put it at Bo Nix's feet? The fact that that team just doesn't have a passing game, that they are a one, they are as one dimensional as Georgia Tech, old uh, Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech.
1: Uh, I mean, Bo Nix deserves some of the blame for that, but I think. Part of it is intentional. They're not, and I don't even like their. Pa- their passing offense isn't really one that. When do they ever have a passing offense at Auburn?
0: They tried to get it going with Jarrett Stidham. They, they try, yeah,
1: and it didn't, it didn't get going. And It didn't if get they, going. Yeah, they have a they carry have a on. Shot John offense.
0: carry on Johnson was the one they they tried to get a passing offense going with Jarrett Stidham, and uh, remember Clemson's defensive line just gobbled him up in that like week two game. And Gus Malzahn's like, all right, well, you know what? Uh, we're just going to let carry on do this.
1: Yeah. They, they run the ball and they take shots. And right now they're not even, don't don't even seem like they're really trying to take shots and that's okay. I mean, I think, I think Bo Nix will eventually develop into a quarterback that they can do more with, but I think it's, I actually, I mean, I put a little bit more of that on just the, the, the makeup of the offense, the design of it. It's, There's not. It's not really a get your quarterback in a rhythm kind of offense, and because of that, I think Bo Nix will, you know, he'll get more comfortable taking those shots, and he'll get more comfortable throwing. They'll they'll get more comfortable with him throwing around some, but it's always going to be that run game, and I think it's it's a lot of it's going to be him making plays with his legs. So I'm. I just think yeah i think the i think it fits i think it works
0: i agree
1: uh, who's, who's your who, who's your garrett trader keaton slovis max dugan max dugan ryan holinsky dylan gabriel Jaden daniels hank bachmeyer sam howell bo nix you gotta you got your you're starting your program you gotta draft a freshman quarterback who are you taking
0: sam howell
1: i'm taking Jaden daniels We'll yeah. see. will see you on the field. See out
0: there. <laughs> he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip Underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. See you there. All right, dude. Got to go hit HQ. All right, cool. See you later. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.